You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 213, we're discussing Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Carlos. And I'm Sanjay. You guys heard it right. We are reviewing Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. Whatever this movie is called, we are reviewing it this week. We've pushed it. We didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. Troy finally watched it. Some saw it in the theaters. I saw it digitally. It's going to be a fun ride because you know what, guys? This this review may be polarizing, maybe not. We're going to have people on both sides of the fence, I think, with regards to how we felt about this movie. But nonetheless... We are here to discuss in full detail DC's eighth entry into the ever-evolving DC Extended Universe. Dudes, my guys, what is going on? This is going to be a full episode, a full review of Birds of Prey. We're not talking about Our Week in Nerd, nothing like that. That's going to next week. We're going to kick it off here with a bit of a spoiler-free discussion, and then we're going to hop into our scene-by-scene breakdown of the film in great detail. But, gentlemen, welcome back to the pod. It is great to see you guys. Everyone's keeping safe. Everyone's staying home. Everyone's staying nerd. But let's get right into this discussion. Guys, let's talk about Birds of Prey. This this film, it came out, I believe, in February, correct? It feels like a lifetime ago when this came Three out in Three years theaters. ago. Th- Three years ago, right? It came out relatively close to Shazam, I think, right? We're getting, we'll get to Shazam. We'll get to Shazam. Don't worry. It's coming, grab Saving coming. the best for last. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But come on, let's talk about our initial thoughts coming off of Birds of Prey. Now, this is a movie. It's a follow-up, a pseudo-follow-up to The Suicide Squad, which came in 2016. It's Margot Robbie picking up the title character of Harley Quinn and expanding her own universe in what I would consider a relatively standalone Film, Troy, I got to hear, first off, when we get into it, spoiler free, walking out of the theater, man, what did you think of Birds of Prey? You know, we've had some ups and downs with the universe, Mm -hmm. you and I, but did this course correct a bit? You know, coming off of your very public opinion of Shazam, how are you feeling about Birds of Prey right now? (laughs) That's right, Shazam. So, you know, um, DC for me, it's, it's struggled for a little bit. Um, it's had its highs, it's had its lows. You know, I'm, I'm one of the odd ones. You know, Justice League wasn't horrible for me. Um, but Aquaman, which was our first experience altogether, us four here, you know, watching that movie on the big screen, I came out with a victory. I thought, you know, it's it it kind of cool. Um, a step in the Shazam, right direction for DC. A step correct? in the right direction. Yeah, I would say so. Shazam was, was something else. We'll get there someday. But uh, Joker, you know, Joker was, I know it's not the DCEU, but it's the studio. It's WB. It's the DC property. And that hit it for me. So I'm like, boom, these guys are on the right path, finally. And then we get to this movie, um, Harley Quinn featuring um, so-and-so, uh, Birds of Prey. So um, kind of a disappointment. You know, the movie starts off strong for me. 
going into this film, I was really blown away by some of the choreography, uh, some of the cinematography, some of the colors. Uh, Margot Robbie embodies Harley Quinn. She really brings her to life, even maybe even more so than she did in um, Suicide Squad. And I thought she was fantastic in that film. For me, the film really suffers, though, in the third and final act. That's when they kind of they really lost me there. There's a certain individual they bring into this film that um, overstayed its welcome. I had no idea this character would be that big or have that big of a role in this film. Um, and overall, man, is a missed opportunity. I feel like we've had things. I'm not the biggest fan of Suicide Squad, but I feel like we've had films like Suicide Squad, films like Guardians of the Galaxy and um, so many more out there, um, even Infinity War, where it's an ensemble piece and they really capitalize off of all of those individuals. Whereas here, they they completely missed the mark, I would say, on that, which is something that's in the title. So I was kind of struck by that. So overall, man, um, I guess we'll get into our overall thoughts towards the end of the, yeah, we the, the movie, obviously. But that's my little light spoiler, I guess you could say, for this review. Okay, there yep. it is. Carlos, my dude, you've got a family that is extremely... How do I say this? You know, passionate about about Harley Quinn. You've got a daughter that is very much a focus collector of Harley Quinn, a big fan of Harley Quinn. You had the whole family out there watching this. How did you guys? How did you feel about this? And then maybe bring in a bit of the family's perception as well. Kind of give us that. You know, I wouldn't say they're in the the fandom, not so much even the periphery of it, but just a, another perspective too. Yeah, you know, I was pleasantly surprised by it. I was a bit skeptical going in with the shift of gears from Suicide Squad being a PG-13 kind of four-quadrant movie to this R-rated uh, Harley Quinn spinoff. Um, yeah, overall, I dug it. It was a bit of a hybrid between a comic book movie and something in that kind of Guy Ritchie, Quentin Tarantino space. Um, yeah, I, I think the lady set out to make a particular type of movie, and they did it, for better or worse, and... I think we'll get into some of my other thoughts when we touch on things like the box office and the critical reception and things of that nature. But uh, yeah, for me, for me, it worked. It's probably in my top half of the DCEU. Like it doesn't come anywhere close to the likes of Wonder Woman or Man of Steel. But, you know, to be honest, I liked it better than Aquaman and Shazam and stuff. And uh, yeah, it, it worked for me. It worked for me. As far as the rest of the family goes, you know what? They loved it. Like my my youngest, she's in the bag for it anyways. So I knew that uh, it, it wouldn't take much. It would just take Margot talking in that voice and she would <laughs> give this thing like a, a full five-star review type of thing. But uh, my oldest, she was low-key reluctant to go. Like I think my youngest and her friends kind of burnt her out on Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad. And, um, and my wife was kind of indifferent about it. She's just like, I hope I get to see the one Roman 84 trailer, but, uh, yeah, everybody absolutely loved it. And in fact, um, I think my oldest went in kind of wanting to dislike it and she was pleasantly surprised as well. So it, there's definitely an audience for it. I, I don't know who <laughs> or who they were targeting at with that rating and stuff. I, I think they kind of, um, cut off their own nose despite their face, but at the same time, uh, yeah, it, it worked for our whole household, and it's a pretty diverse cross-section of demographics, so there you go. There it is, and we're going to get into some of the detail here in a little bit and kind of elaborate on some of those points that I know and I can tell just by watching you, you want to dive into in, in a big way, <laughs> but we're going to get Sonny's opinion here, and now Sanjay, man, the forever 
fan of the DC. You've kind of been the long-standing dude that's supported everything that's come <laughs> out of the DC Extended Universe here on the podcast. And now you've got a little yeah. bit more support in your corner here with Carlos. How did you feel about, about Birds of Prey? You know, a bit of a diversion from what we've seen in the past with regards even to things like Man of Steel, Justice League, and all that, that, that you did like, that you did favor. How did you feel about Birds of Prey? Yeah, man, I really dug it. Uh, coming out of the theater, me and my wife, we went to see it, which seems like a lifetime ago uh, at this point in time. Yeah. Um, from what I remember, though, like I really enjoyed it. Um, it was one of those films that, you know, it's not like a particularly deep film where you sit there after like V for Vendetta or something like that, where it's just like a heavy film and you're just like, wow, like what did I watch? This one is definitely more in like the Shazam Aquaman wheelhouse, you know, and like the Ant-Man's as well, where you just throw it on, you know, you shut your brain off and you have a good time for two hours. You know, it looks beautiful, like the colors and like the action was really cool. Um, the costumes were pretty cool, especially Harley Quinn's costumes. Um, what can I say? Harley Quinn, she was terrific. Um, I think she really steals the show. The rest of the Birds of Prey, you know, we'll, we'll get into that uh, when we do the review. But uh, overall, I had a really good time. Um, what else is there to say? Like, I'm sure we'll get more into it, but I definitely recommend this. Um, it's, as I said, um, it is just one of those films where you just shut your brain off and you just have a good time. Like the music, I thought the soundtrack was good. And I just really enjoyed it. So, you know, not much negative for me. There are a little bit of negatives. Um, in terms of, like, the DCEU as a whole, I was just happy to see the the DCEU continue and to see, like, a film that, you know, builds on what came in the past. Yeah, and it built nods. on Suicide Squad. Oh, totally. And um, I actually enjoyed this one more than Suicide Squad, for sure. Um, you know, I, yeah. I think this is a good film, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it with uh, Troy, who's on one side and Carlos is on the other side. And I'm dying to hear where does where does Timbo Slice stand? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's interesting because you know I came into this with a bit of a conundrum here. You know, I I didn't see it in theaters, and it was great that we got to see this jump onto digital download, digital purchase quite a bit earlier than expected with that shortened theatrical window because of everything that's going on right now and closure of theaters. So we are able to put this review together because I was able to finally sit down and watch this. I watched it on Sunday. I did the $24 purchase on iTunes. So I officially own this thing full committed. And I sat down with that perception in my head already. You know, Troy and I, for the most part, generally very much align on our likes and dislikes, especially when it comes down to even the particular critiques of a film. We seem to be fairly well aligned there. Diverge once in a while, but that was stuck in my head. So I kind of went into this with the perception that I'm not going to enjoy it. But I will say, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Nice. Wow. And, yeah. you know, Margot Robbie for me here, Ewan McGregor as well, standouts. Yeah. I love just kind of this wild, carefree performance that both of them put into this. Ewan McGregor, I thought was going to play this a lot more straight. He is a weird dude in this film, and I really, really like that. The story itself, it's fun, it's fast-paced, action-packed. This, to me, yes, it does have that connective tissues to very small pieces of Suicide Squad and the DC Extended Universe, but this is holistically a standalone film. This is a standalone ride. You don't need any context from anything else. It gives it all to you in the opening credits, more or less. You know, the other thing I really liked about this film was the way they constructed the story. You know, I had to step back and think about this after I watched it, but 
it's a very well written, well told, and kind of intertwined story. And I don't know if I've just overly interpreted what it is, but I really enjoyed that piece of it and how the stories seem to intersect each other at different points and this non-linear storytelling that they do use. And we'll get into whether or not you guys favored it. It stands out as, as something that is unique about the film. And for me, you know, this was a film that I was happy to spend the $24 on. You know, $20 ticket in the theaters, $24 to purchase. I now watch it. I'll definitely put this on again. There's not a lot in this space. Like, I'll never willingly put Suicide Squad back on again. <laughs> and Margot Robbie was great in that film. But this movie I'll put back on again. And I'll actually encourage my wife to watch it. Um, she chose, you know, to go to bed when I watched it on Sunday night. But for me, yeah, this 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 surprised me, to be honest with you. I had kind of these expectations that the trailer sold me on something and I was going to get something different. And I think it delivered on what it promised. And I'm really looking forward to getting to, into some depth here because I even feel I understand the title now that I've seen the film, which maybe is a bit, I don't know, maybe that's a bit different than what a title should be. But I think it's a lot more clear to me what this movie or what they're trying to pull from the title after seeing kind of the last scene of the film. It makes a lot more sense to me. So there it is, guys. You know, we've got we've got kind of a, a nice divergence, a nice contrast here. And we're going to get into some uh, some discussion on that in just a few minutes because I want to talk quickly about, about the reception and box office here. You know, this debuted, like I said, in early February and came out in digital download here just a couple of days ago, March 24th. And this thing, from what I can gather, from what I can remember, I should say, was met with relatively positive critic and fan reception. You know, I think there was the pockets of dislike, but generally this sits pretty favorable amongst kind of that that more positive comic book movie community. And it's got a fresh rating. I think it's in that, that late 70s percent on Rotten Tomatoes, kind of using that as our barometer. But interestingly enough, it didn't fare super well at the box office. Now it did get hit with a really with all everything that's going on, kind of a limited run, but it just debuted to $33 million, which was quite a bit lower than even the four of us were predicting. I saw this more of a, of a suicide, suicide squad type of take at the box office. And the performance here, I think we can generally agree on is lower than expected. And Carl, so you had some thoughts here that you had mentioned there in kind of the spoiler-free section. We're going to stay spoiler-free here for another few more minutes, guys. But what are your thoughts here on kind of the overall reception and how that potentially relates to or translates to the lower box office? Yeah, like it, it fared extremely well with the critics. Like it's a another certified fresh movie for DC Universe. It's one of their, I think it, fair just under what Shazam did and better than Aquaman. So yeah, critically it had a great response. The fan response was very positive as well. It had a good uh, audience score on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes and everything else. Uh, to be honest, I think that title let it down. Mm -hmm. um, I, I saw a few things about uh, search engine optimization and that people just couldn't find this movie and they weren't aware of it coming out and what it was all about. And I didn't think that would be the case, but at the same time, our perspectives are skewed because yeah, big time. we're kind of touching that space all the time. Right. So the things that gets target 
targeted advertised to me and mine wouldn't necessarily be the case for the folks next door. So there's that. And then like that R rating, it, it's something that I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, like Suicide Squad came out and four times I can remember taking like carloads of kids who wanted to go to the movies and go see Suicide Squad to the theater. And this time, like that was a few years ago, but kind of my youngest daughter's in that space now and her and her friends wouldn't be able to go see that movie. And you look at all the little girls that dressed up as like that Margot Robbie version of Harley Quinn just a couple of Halloweens ago wouldn't be able to go to this movie and might not even know that it's coming out, right? Because there's this Birds of Prey movie coming out. She looks different in the advertising. And when the parents or whoever goes to research potentially seeing the film, it's got this R rating in front of it. So it's it's one of those things where, yeah, it's nice to make the movie you want to make, but at the same time, there's a, there's a cost to that, right? Yeah. There's a reason Disney does things the way they do and... This do, was you a choice think, and... do you think oh, oh. though that the fact that the box office or sorry the production budget was so low because this thing was like i think 80 million was yeah. the production 85. budget thereabouts yeah it allows them that freedom whereas like yeah you, you can't really make it's hard to make a 200 million dollar r-rated film you know what i mean like to, to make that back you'd have to have a quality film so do you think like that's part of the reason why they allowed them even though it didn't work out in this instance um, box office wise, um, quality wise, we'll discuss. But uh, do you think that's why like Warner Brothers was more willing to go with it because they're like, well, eighty five million, yeah, we should still make this back. Add in merchandise, CD sale, well, not CD, but like d- digital download <laughs> sales of the music and and yeah. uh, merch and all that. We should break even. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure that factors, and I think part of it too is just getting Margot Robbie's buy in, right? Like yeah. I think there's certain. Um, certain uh, talent that they really like to back and that they'll kind of move heaven and earth to see their projects come to fruition. Like Christopher Nolan is one of those guys, Ezra Miller, they look at what they do with their schedule to accommodate him. So there's certain people that that studio just really likes. And I think she's one of them. So yeah, this is, this was definitely, there's no denying and, she said it a ton of times, like the rating was something she wanted and um, the the film as it was constructed is something she was targeting. So then that's cool. Like I, I like what it, the end product was, but that's probably why Warner Brothers was comfortable with that balance of, yeah, we'll let you do what you want to do, but the budget's got to kind of come in at something that is risk manageable. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too because I find that you know with Margot Robbie coming onto this as a producer, someone's very enthusiastic about the character. We've got a really realistically a first time director. We've got a relatively green writer. Like they're coming at this almost as almost like an indie project, in some sense, right? Like this is a passion project. This is something that they wanted to do, and I don't think that speaks to the quality of it at all. But there is some of that, and I agree that is lost a bit in translation when it comes to the title. And the R rating. I, like We will get into if we felt that it was justified because realistically, non-spoiler sense, did they need it? You know, cut, I think you said this before, you cut two, three scenes or trim them back a little bit. You don't even need an R on this, right? You can use that one gratuitous FU that, you know, X-Men has done with a PG-13 rating. <laughs> uh, well-placed. Like I, I, like I always said, I'm a big fan of a well-placed 
you know, F you, but <laughs> did it need it? Did it make the film better? I don't think so at the end of the day, personally. But, uh, Troy, like, with regards to the box office, you know, you've said in the past that you don't get the the title at all. Not mm-hmm. that you don't get it at all, but that you, you find that that was kind of a big hang-up for it. Do you mm-hmm. think that played into the the box office being this thirty three million dollars when expectation was sixty to eighty million dollars for an opening weekend for a film like this? Maybe a little bit, especially after what uh, Carlos kind of broke down there with um, basically just searching the movie itself. And I think what was it the week or second week into the film being out in theaters, they they want to revisit the title and change it. To, yeah, they changed just it. Harley Quinn or is Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. So, right. and again, like Carlos said, it's a search engine optimization where you could type in mm-hmm. Harley Quinn into cineplex.com and that would pop up. Whereas I yeah. don't know if you type that in originally, if it would actually pop up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think that had to play in with it. And, um, you know, a weird kind of funny factor it's, you know, it's all in hindsight, right? Cause if we were to go back to, uh, well before Joker, obviously they, you know, they gave Jed Leto's uh, Joker basically the boot, right? They they want to get get as far away as possible from that Joker, and then uh, without knowing, we had this huge, massive success of Walking <laughs> Phoenix's Joker. So if only we did get more Joker in this film, who knows where this film could have gone? Not saying the film could have been better, just saying you know it would have grabbed that audience that just came off of uh, the heels of Todd Phillips' Joker. But um, that's beside the point, and that's all hindsight. There's nothing you can do about that. But um, yeah, man, I think the title was a little misused used in the, in the marketing um merchandise too i mean i know you guys are big funko people but um like for me i collect the six inch seven inch figure scale action figures and there is no yeah. way i could get my hands on a mcfarlane line of this character anywhere which was really weird to me because if you go back to um mattel's license of dc you could get a harley quinn out of the suicide squad you could get that toy that six inch figure so the marketing or merchandise was a little weird i think on this one too I think so. Carlos might have something to say about that. I think he spent a bundle mm. at Hot Topic. <laughs> oh, what yeah. is it? Like the Funkos? Holy like, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, Funkos and stuff, but then also like just clothing. Like they made mm-hmm. every single piece of clothing that was in that movie. And I mean, nice. like we own it all. Like, it's, <laughs> but yeah, and even like EB Games, they were selling like the jewelry and like, yeah keychains and backpacks and so uh, i i think they made a ton of money there um for sure but yeah for things in kind of that collector space or even just playing to that true blue audience that shows up all the time for the comic book movies right like we went opening night and it was the same type of crowd that we saw at like deadpool or um spider-man far from home type of thing right you'd think that with the female talent behind it and the way they marketed the movie that you know i'd be one of the token guys in the theater no way man like our theater was predominantly the same group of kind of that 30 to 40 year old dudes that is that all the comic book movies kind of thing so yeah yeah. i don't know did they do lego sets for the suicide squad do you guys know I don't think so. I think they they'll touch on things like well they'll do like an animated version of Harley Quinn and Joker in some oh, okay. random set, but I don't think oh, they've okay. done like specific movie sets that I'm aware. No, of, like a BVS or anything. No. Eh? No, I mean the big. They guys, did no. BVS. They did yeah. BVS. I think. So I think yeah. I remember yeah, okay. seeing the uh, the armored Batman 
But for a set okay, like this, yeah. yeah. But even like you look at Black Widow, there's one set for Black Widow, one small set, Lego set for mm-hmm. for that movie. You know, meant to be a big yeah. temple movie. So, I, I, but I wonder if they scaled back too with the marketing because obviously that movie was meant to come out with May. So in order for them to avoid losing more money on that yeah, project, maybe. they probably scaled back the marketing and merchandise, pushed that for another date. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, Carlos, you brought up a good point about uh, Hot Topic merch, but I will say, like, where are the guy stuff? Like, I went to look for a t-shirt. They only had one men's t-shirt, and it just said, like, Birds of Prey. I'm like, men probably, you know, myself, I'm only speaking for myself, I would, I have a Harley Quinn, like, Suicide shirt. I would totally rock another Harley Quinn, like, Birds of Prey or Huntress t-shirt. Like, I don't know, you know, why they just didn't think of it. Like, a lot of men went to see this film. I would really, like, some t-shirts because i have you know like the birds of prey just said birds of prey it was kind of plain and i saw like all these cool t-shirts i'm like oh will this fit and it's like women's size and i'm like no it will not dude you can fit (laughs) you can get a nice v deep v cut or something yo it it doesn't work that way like women always like will borrow like my hoodie right like my wife will always like borrow like my hoodie and stuff and i'll never see it again but like i'm not borrowing my wife's hoodie and then like she'll never see it again like it doesn't work that way where does she take it did you know (laughs) Oh, uh, she just wears it. I never get to like a chance to wear it again. It's just we'll, her hoodie. Then we'll make you a Birds of Prey t-shirt. Sanjay. I appreciate that. We'll get it done. We'll get yeah. it done. <laughs> well, I do like the Aquaman one you made me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I think that wraps up the spoiler-free section. You know, we touched a bit on a recommendation or general thoughts about the film, and talked about some of the reception in the box office here and and why we feel that this film in particular maybe didn't hit as hard at the box office that we thought it was. But let's get into the details about why we liked this film and some of the avenues maybe that didn't do it for us. I don't know. I'm going to say right here, still spoiler free. I don't know why you want a Huntress t-shirt, Sanjay, but we're going to get into that in a few minutes. Here. <laughs> so, she's cool, man. You know. We're going to lay the line here right now, guys. Spoiler section, if you have not seen birds of prey i really would stress spend the 20 bucks support this type of of digital download because of what's going on and you know maybe we'll get some more films out of it at the end of the day but it's worth the 20 bucks to check it out me personally you got a few more recommendations here and then come back and listen to this if you have it because we're going to break this thing down in all sorts of detail so there is the spoiler tag the spoiler warning is on and here we go guys you are free to talk about anything you want but I'm going to direct this here to the first thing, the director and writer of this film. We've got the director, Kathy Yang. She's pretty green, hasn't done a ton of things. First big motion picture. We've got writer Christina Hudson. She wrote Bumblebee. She's currently writing Flash. She's been tapped to write a, a Batgirl film as well. So she's sticking around in the DC Extended Universe here. But overall, th- this team, it's an interesting team. And I watched some of the behind the scenes from the digital extras that I got. And it's really interesting to see the dynamic between these two, the input from Margot Robbie, the input from some of the other characters, and just the fun they appear to be having on the set. That's something that really struck me here. And I think you can see that in Margot Robbie in particular, that they had fun making this film. They made it the way they wanted to. Like we said earlier, they gave the title, the rating, everything that they wanted to, they did. And I think that really shines out here in the kind of tandem of writer-director here, and then you put in Margot Robbie as a producer. But Sanjay, man, what do you think of kind of a first-time director here? How did she, how did she do here? And also the writing. Let's speak to that a little bit too, because me personally, I felt this was very well written. 
in in most parts but yeah there's some holes here we get that with every film but how did you feel about kind of this 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 creative tandem that we're seeing here as well as well as as margot robbie having major input into the character of harley quinn yeah man i thought they did a good job um christina hodson she did bumblebee and that's my favorite transformers movie so uh this girl can write a film and i'm glad that she got a chance to uh write birds of prey and kathy ann you mentioned her first big blockbuster um i thought she did really good as well uh the action scenes were really cool and i saw that uh, they brought in Mm -hmm. um the director from john wick just to punch up a couple of the other action scenes um which is totally understandable i mean she's only made one other film which was like super independent low budget but you know to me it wasn't like a clash of styles um the new fight scenes i don't even know which ones they were and you couldn't even tell you know if you were just watching this movie and you didn't know you would just be like yeah all the fight scenes are like from the same person so in that regard i think um i think she uh they were both very successful Right on. Troy, what do you think about that? I, sometimes I love the fact that I get to see you guys. You know, I love seeing you guys in person, but seeing you guys react here on Skype as well <laughs> is quite interesting. <laughs> Troy, had a bit of a smile there. <laughs> He's like revving the engine. <laughs> oh, man. Window. So, yeah, did you, did, did you take some issue with uh, the some of the choreography here, the cinematography? You're usually a big cinematography guy, you know, yeah, which is, is quite often framed by how it's written, how it's directed. You know, great cinematography here, I think, in, in some parts, but most parts of it. But how did you feel about kind of the, the creative the, the creative forces behind Birds of Prey? Um, yeah, well, I got to say um... – the director, I could, I could, I could feel it. I could tell uh, first time on something this big, a hundred percent. There was um, some pretty amateur things. Harley Quinn herself, to me, it's, it almost felt like watching LeBron James play, and he has a coach, but the coach isn't really doing much. It's just all LeBron James going out there and handling business. <laughs> where here, I felt like it was Margot Robbie coming off the heels of Suicide Squad and just saying. I got this. I know what I'm doing. And she just went in there and she, she killed it. She was fantastic. Uh, you and McGregor, uh, as well, or yeah, um, was, was awesome. Those two for me were incredible in this film, like easily the biggest highlights. Um, Sonny, my man, I, I love this guy. Sonny, you're my guy, but it was, Uh-oh. it was Lay it on me. Day when they had one person direct this fight scene. And then the next fight scene later on in the film, I could, I totally could just feel really? Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? And you're a wrestling guy, man. So check this out. Um, what's, what's your I'm contrast? What scenes film? are you contrasting here? Because I'm, I'm interested if okay. I'm thinking the same Okay, one. so you know what scenes I really enjoyed was when Harley Quinn went into – this is spoiler territory Yeah, right we're now, in full spoilers. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so when Harley Quinn goes into the police uh, station and she's going yeah. out taking out all those guys, I thought that was hilarious and it, it was fun and it worked for me. Uh, what was it, like beanbags or something? Yeah. 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 I thought the effect of that was awesome. It's so cinematic and they're exploding as it takes down these officers. I wasn't quite sure how it was doing it, but it, but it worked for me. <laughs> then when we get towards the end of the film, those fight scenes were absolutely horrendous. Like there was really? setup. Yeah, I'm seeing these juggernaut of, of people coming after the birds of prey. And as they're about to grab them, they're literally waiting for them to make their move and then punch them. It, there's so much stop and go, like wait. Hit me now. Wait, hit me now. Is it, it, it took me out of the film, to be honest. Um, just seeing some of those things. There's decisions. Um, I think it's maybe in the middle of the film where Harley Quinn, or maybe towards the end of the film, Harley Quinn takes a phone, throws it in the air. She does some kind of weird um, somersault into the phone. He kicks it to hit somebody. That's and at the end the of the jailhouse scene. Yeah, and, and I mean, 
yeah, I get it, but it just didn't look cool, and it just it just had me stopping. Just like who would who would do that? And I know it's a movie, oh, man, most fantastical, it cool. but it, for yeah, it's subjective, I guess. For, yeah. for me, it, it looked pretty weak, and it just made the impact of the throw look even worse. Like you could have thrown the phone, and it would have done more damage than whatever um, kind of move <laughs> that was. But um, for, for for me, I could. And, and you know what the thing is with a lot of these DC films, I really feel like the 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 fight scenes have always been some of the best things. With this one, for me, this was probably one of the weaker ones when it came to at least going from the last half from the middle later on to the film that's when it fell off the beginning to me was was great for, yeah for the well, action. it's it's interesting you say that because just having a bit of the context of the behind the scenes i'm pretty mm. sure that the last fight scene was directed by kathy yang because it shows them on set on okay. that particular scene you know the bouncy things and all that some of the stuff where mm-hmm. i agree those some of the elements of the film are and I think you pointed this out, had this like real Guy Ritchie feel. Carlos, you pointed that out. Yeah, um, yeah. And I really liked that. But towards the end, I will agree. I still enjoyed it. Uh, the roller thing was really cool. But that scene in the middle where they're kind of all fighting, there is a bit of that. And the thing that always pulls me out of films now was I watched a couple guys review the choreography for The Last Jedi Mm. and they're just like this guy stops and waits for her to hit him and i can't stop seeing yeah. stuff like that anymore yeah yeah and i do agree with you i see a bit of that there is some contrast like but i would will say though that most of the movies that we've reviewed that middle action set piece is often mm-hmm. better than the final one and mm-hmm. i think if we find that through most of the mcu through mcu films save infinity war endgame yeah, airport the, scene, right? Yeah, the airport scene. Like the middle scene is often yeah. the one that steals the show, and I think this yeah. one does the same thing. Carlos, yeah. man, how how did you feel about this? Do you are you kind of seeing what we're seeing here with kind of the the creatives behind this? Um, how did you feel about Kathy Yang? How did you feel about the kind of the construction, the writing of the film? Yeah, you know, I I dug it. Um, I I can definitely see where Troy's coming from at at the end, where it's kind of like the action on cue. Versus some of the smooth fights, like you look at the Black Canary fight in the alleyway oh, where yeah. she saves uh, Harley Quinn from the like the two guys trying to take advantage of her. Like that fight scene is so smooth, and that mm-hmm. you can tell that that was Chad Stahelski, I think is his name, putting that one together, and with that spin kick to knock the guy out through the window of oh. the the van door, amazing. And like yeah, the I really dug the whole. Um, assault that she has on the police station from that the kind of quirky oh, it's intro great. where she's like yeah, yeah I, I want yeah. to report a crime and stuff and uh, <laughs> yeah right through the end I, I dug all of that um, I thought Christina Hodson did a great job balancing the non-linear oh, narrative so and making sure that we rewound but not too far where I typically don't like when you get the rewinds because I just find that it uh, it feels like padding but this movie was really lean and she didn't give you any information that you didn't need or there wasn't any fat on it. And the things that you like when they go back and give you like Huntress's origin, for example, it was like perfectly timed and placed. And they've given you enough nuggets that they could have skipped it. Same time they fill her in and you, you think a lot of her when she shows up at the end. And you as the viewer know more about her than um, the rest of the the birds of prey, so to speak. So yeah, I thought Christina Hodson did a really, really good job with 
constructing the movie and um if i have a knock on her and it's kind of the one thing when we were talking about the um our thoughts and hopes and wishes for the film i I did kind of resent the fact and i'm sure troy is going to go off in a second that she used really cool name brand characters for kind of placeholder roles in this movie like cassandra kane being the main one for me like she's one of my favorite back characters and like they could have made that character anything they could have made her holly robinson they could have made her they could have even just made up their own character like yeah. just call her lj basco because there was zero about that character that warranted her being cassandra king mm-hmm. well, and that, so that's the interesting piece of it too is that I, I'm not familiar like you guys are with most of these characters, but I don't I do know who Cassandra Kane is. And you're right is that and I really like that point about it being kind of a placeholder like this character is significant because you know her from the comic, but it's not really that character. Right. And yeah. it's I like I kind of like that character and we're going to get into her in a little bit. But you're right. You didn't need some of that. But I agree with you. The story construction and the way it's told I really enjoyed that piece of it. At first, I was like, okay, this feels a bit out of left field. But as the movie progressed, I liked it more and more about this rewind because I found that, like you said, it doesn't doesn't overstay its welcome when it's going back and doing these rewinds. And I find that it all intertwines well. Like, there's like, we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. It's almost like this nexus of the film, which is the club, with everything kind of spurs out from. And it's very well interconnected. And I find actually there's kind of two stories here. And this is why I like the title now is that it's a birds of prey film and it's a Harley Quinn film that just kind of intersect at different points and they find themselves chasing after the same MacGuffin. So like birds of prey is one film and the emancipation of one Harley Quinn is a completely different film. And that's the film that we start off with here is the emancipation of Harley Quinn. And we go through, you know, a good chunk of the movie with her, just trying to reconcile what her life is post Joker, post Mr. J. You know, we start off this movie with actually kind of a really nice throwback to what isn't the Jared Leto Joker. <laughs> I think that they do make a point of distancing themselves from that character. Even the cartoon doesn't really ever look like Jared Leto's Joker, right? Like to me, it looked more like an animated Batman Joker type. And yes, I guess they did throw the animated Harley Quinn in there too. But this kind of how they just break out into the story and just kind of throw you into the deep end. That's why I think this is a standalone film is because of the way they start this, they just kind of give you all the information you need. Everyone knows who Joker is. Everyone kind of gets this idea that they were together. Like they tell it to you, they write it for you. It's all an exposition and it's kind of off to the races. And mm-hmm. that's, I liked how they started with that. So did Sonny, did you feel the same way? Kind of just jumping into the deep end with Harley Quinn. We get kind of the, you know, the break from the Joker. You know, at first I was like, oh, they're going to kind of weigh on this like really heavy, whereas always referring back to the Joker and that being her anchor and that being the her defining characteristic is that she was Joker's girlfriend. Like, is that the direction they're going with this? Because I didn't want that. And at the start you get a little bit of that, but then she breaks away from it. So, like, sort of this film kicking off straight with Harley Quinn here with Margot Robbie's just, like, magnetic performance. Man, are you digging the start? Yeah, man. Like, the the beginning cartoon I thought was kind of cute. It was kind of fun. Showing the break from the Joker, though, I would have loved to see Jared Leto make a small cameo just to build that continuity up. The back of his head. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> it didn't have to be anything large. It could have been something small, like in little cutback scenes. You know, like um, you see that in MCU all the time, like just a character pops up here and there. And, you know, you used to kind of see that with Batman and Flash and Suicide Squad. And, you know, I would have liked to see it. I understand why it didn't happen. It's too bad. You know, I think they really got to sort themselves out and see kind of what are they going to do with the Joker? Because it's no secret the Joker is probably as big, if not bigger than Batman. So um, they need to figure that out going forward if they're going to have the DCEU continue. And I don't know what they're going to do. For me, Jared Leto was, you know, he was an okay Joker. Um, I would like to see more of him before I can make a definitive statement if I want him to continue or not. And uh, so I would have liked to see him make an appearance here, but um, unfortunately he didn't. And um, I thought that they handled it well, given the circumstances and the fact that Jared Leto wasn't going to show up. I thought they did a good enough job kind of skirting around it. And if you just watch this film, um, you would have no like clue like that Jared Leto was the Joker before. And then you can just, just watch it as a standalone, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Troy, you're nodding your head there and kind of agreeing with Sonny there. What, yeah. are you, what are you feeling about uh, kind of this intro to Well, we to should Harley mark Quinn. this down. Troy's agreeing with me? Are you okay, Troy? What happened? Is that really you? <laughs> April Fool's. April yeah, Fool's. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was just nodding my head to say, screw you, Sanjay. You're completely wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, um, I, I, I love how they start off this film. Again, I'm a big fan of like the first hour of this movie. So um, having that whole like throwback WB kind of thing going on with the animation style mm-hmm. was fantastic. Um, what this movie does really cool, at least in the beginning, is it to me, it actually hypes the presence of Joker more so than it does in Suicide Squad. Like, I get a better idea. Like, this guy is yeah. somebody to be uh, True. To mess around with, not, not to mess around with, right? And I wish, yeah, like Sonny, I wish we did get a little bit more or at least got to see um, Jerry Little pop up. I would have loved to seen him um, interact with Black Mask. I think that would have been a really cool scene, especially because Black Mask is really something else in this film. Um yeah, that's that's really all that I got going on uh, right there for that that first bit. Yeah, Sonny, yeah. I'm right there with you, man. There it is, man. Take it as a win, dude. Take yeah. it Mark as a win. it on the calendar. Mark it on the calendar. <laughs> yeah, it's April April first again for, <laughs> as we 1st. record here. The first time Troy and Sanjay agree. <laughs> April Fool's Day, <laughs> Carlos, my man. How did how did you feel about how this kicked off? You know, kind of gave us that deep dive into Harley Quinn. And did you kind of have some of those earlier reservations, some of those early worries, the same that I did with regards to how they're going to use Joker? I'm, I contrast myself a bit to to both Sanjay and Troy here. Is that I'm I would have I liked what they used for Joker, and I like kind of that you know the fame that 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 precedent setting sort of reputation that Joker has and when she breaks away that's when all hell breaks loose I like that piece of it but I'm glad that they got away from him earlier on the film because I did not want her to be Joker's girlfriend through all this I wanted her to stand on her own two feet throughout this and the first part of the film does go through that you know the breakup the nightclub all this this is kind of what like kind of propels her off into her own film if you will but did you, were you kind of getting some of that vibe early on, Carlos? And how did you feel about how they kind of introduced Harley Quinn here and her story just to kind of give you kind of that quick and dirty, let's go with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. It's her movie. Let's move on. I thought they did a really good job being efficient with getting her through that Joker piece. And I really liked that he was present enough where it wasn't something – that everybody knows is there, but we can't talk about because we haven't sorted out behind the scenes stuff with who's playing him or if we're keeping continuity, yada, 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 yada. 
they're just like, nope, this is a good, efficient way of having her go through this character building process through where she was at the end of the previous movie to where we're really going to ramp up this action with um, the breakup and whatnot. And I thought they were just, yeah, she, Christina Hodson was just so efficient with using that animated sequence, not weighing her down too much, having the behaviors of Harley Quinn uh, under the protection of the Joker, kind of setting up the fallout for the rest of the movie when she finally decides that in order to be her own person, she needs to completely rid herself of um, any idea that she was his girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think they there was a delicate balance between having the Joker completely absent and shortchanging the audience and having him completely swallow the entire movie. So, yeah, I thought they did a great job with... Um, sorting that out and making sure that this was a Harley Quinn story that uh, saw a really compelling emotional arc for her from beginning to end, I thought. So. Yeah, brilliant stuff. You know, I find the the character of Harley Quinn, like, she strikes this, and I'm going to say the word balance here, between this, like, weird, playful in- innocence and sincerity mixed with, like, this deviance and anarchy, and she, Margot Robbie just, like, kills that piece of it. Because sometimes you're like, mm-hmm. this woman is batshit crazy, and then at times you're like, oh, she's, you know, she's kind of a sincere person that does care about people. And then twists that on its head and it's just like this self-motivated, I'm going to do this for me type thing. I don't care if it ends up with someone dead or whatever. And it's kind of this weird balance because we're, we're set in a film here, guys, that is, you know, led by a notorious villain here. And you find yourself cheering for her for most of the film, you know, rooting her on to kind of find her place. And it's only really when you juxtapose her against a villain like the Black Mask, a guy that, you know, fancies peeling people's faces off, that (laughs) you find yourself being like, I know where good and evil is. I know where the line is in this film. And that line, you cross it with Ewan McGregor. Like I said in the spoiler free, I thought he was fantastic in this film portraying the Black Mask. Roman Sionis. He, to me, I thought, like I said... He was going to play this straight. He was going to kind of just be this gangster, bad dude, you know, kind of in the background a little bit. But he's this quirky kind of spun dude that kind of goes from zero to a million one way. And then he's like, I find that the way he portrays and the way he carries himself in this film is, you know, he's pulling from some of his deep rooted acting stuff, you know, that just really engaged me as a villain here. I lose a bit of him towards the end. When he puts the black mask on, I find that he veers away from where he was being super successful in the front, you know, hour and 20 minutes of the film. But for the most part, I find the black mask here, Hugh McGregor is a real standout. And Troy, like, do you, are you feeling Hugh McGregor here in this role? You know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, one of your dudes taking this yeah. real sideways approach to a DC villain. I, I think it works. Are you right there with me? Oh, 100%. This guy is is probably one of the, the coolest uh, DC – well, I guess it's hard to say right now. It's unfair to say, but this is the best uh, superhero villain we've had in 2020, um, hands down. Probably one of the best <laughs> ones we've had in the DC um, the DCEU. This guy, to me, he seems to kind of have that Sam Rockwell Iron Man 2 – kind of um gravitas but takes it to another level minus the goofiness because he executes at the same time um you mcgregor though i just i just lose that actor yeah. completely in this, in this role and um 
I wish this is somebody that we were going to have going forward in this universe that they're building. Because yeah. I'd love to see him more so interact with other villains like a Catwoman and other bad guys like the Riddler and the Penguin. I'd love to see this guy interact with those villains out there. And um, his swagger to me just took it to another level. Um, well, yeah. yeah, what more can I say about this guy? He was he was, he was electric, man. Yeah, he was he, great. A believable great. villain, right? And that's something that we're yeah. always chasing is that like everything he says, I'm like, yeah, this guy means it. Like he's going to do that. He's going to peel your face off. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. If, that was, uh, that was cool. Yeah, that's one of the scenes that I could, I was kind of squirming at. You know, I'm not good with blood. <laughs> but even like, even there's some moments in there when he's doing stuff and like watches a guy's face get peeled off. And I can't remember exactly what he is that he's doing, but he's kind of just like, ew, what is that? Like he just kind of like spins things on his head. It's just like his reactions to things are, are absolutely brilliant. Carlos, man, yeah. you have a bit of, I'm assuming here because you know, You've been reading comics since, you know, the day you could walk. I'm assuming you've seen this guy, you know, progress and evolve through the comic books. Is this an accurate portrayal? Is this something that that you bought into as far as a villain, someone that could, you know, stand toe-to-toe with Harley Quinn and kind of up the game where you're putting Harley Quinn into the protagonist seat? Like, did it work for you? Uh, yeah. To, did it work for me? Absolutely. To answer your first question, is this – the black mask of the comics and is this a reflection of the character that i know through the the books and a few other pieces of media absolutely not he's nothing like <laughs> black mask for the most part <laughs> there like there was maybe kind of the one piece with him putting on the mask and um a, a few uh little hints at the type of psycho- psychopathy that he suffers from but um yeah, this this was a an invention of Ian McGregor and the filmmakers. But yep. unlike Cassandra Kane, this one totally worked for me. I loved Ewan in the role. I I this take, and you know what? If you're gonna progress with the DCEU, like that kind of stone cold, hard nosed gangster, gangster, like you've got Sionis and Carmine Falcone, or even. Harvey Dent that can take that role in the future um, to get an actor like Ian McGregor in and to have him go off like that, by all means, that was the right play to let him uh, play with and reinvent this character to something that would complement Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn in this movie. And that would be something that the fans could enjoy. And like, as far as the rating goes, like I can almost justify that R rating and endorse it for just Ian McGregor's F-bomb rants throughout the film <laughs> yeah. because they are hilarious. Yes. Well-placed they, F-bombs, yeah. man. I agree. Yeah. It, it never felt gratuitous when he was saying it either. It was it was really, really well done. Now, Sonny, you, uh, you've you been hoping for a villain team up here in the DC Extended mm-hmm. Universe, and they kind of MCU'd this villain when it comes to <laughs> the end of the <laughs> film. Is that We have a great run with them, and then see you later, buddy. He's, he's out of here. He's gone. What you, what are your thoughts? You know, we'll get into kind of how it ends here, but of you McGregor in the role of Black Mask. Oh yeah, I'm right there with you guys. He's fantastic. Like Ewan McGregor has never had a bad role. Like every time he's in a movie, he elevates that movie. He's just one of the best actors of this generation. And to have him show up in the uh, DC Extended Universe, that's a huge win. Um much like you guys, I'm disappointed that he doesn't survive this movie. Um, and I mean, we're in the spoiler talk, so you might as well get talk about it. Um, but for me, I am holding out hope because I have heard people online saying, well, you know, this whole film is in Harley Quinn's head. 
and um, perhaps maybe Harley Quinn thinks that you know or misremembers that they blew him up at the end and then we could see him show up in like Suicide Squad or you know um, uh, the Batman or something like that and you'd be like oh I thought you were dead and he could just be like no I never died kind of thing and then she'd be like oh yeah I thought you died but I guess you didn't like something like that so they could totally retcon it um, because he is definitely one of the standouts of this film and to not have him continue in this role, maybe it's because he's like such a big actor. He does, he's just said, I just want to be a one and done. Mm-hmm. But man, I would love to see him come back again. Like anything he wants to do as Black Mask, I'm right there. I'm right there. He he is that good. Like the DCEU, he's in like the top tier of villains because he, he's, man, he's you and freaking McGregor. He's amazing, yeah, man. man. Sonny, man, I, I fully agree with you there that, you know, he's definitely a standout in the DC Extended Universe, but he also comes with a bit of a minion as well in Victor Zaz. And I'm not familiar with this character at all from the comic books. The actor here, Chris Messina, he's great. I know him from a show called New Girl. It's a Mindy Kaling thing. It's, it's pretty good. Very different character that he plays here. But I didn't really realize that he was in this film until I saw kind of the red carpet stuff and all that. And... He comes off as, like, you know, we got Roman Sionis here, Black Mask, Hugh McGregor just kind of stealing the show. And then you got this guy in the background that is this horrendous human being. And to me, he adds to what Black Mask is doing, saying he's like that execution piece where Hugh McGregor is crazy enough to request this type of stuff. And then you got this psychopath in the back saying, like, yeah, I'm going to do this for him. I'm going to peel this face off of this entire family, which is absolutely insane. But, you know, Carlos, did, did Victor Zaz, did he work for you in tandem with the Black Mask here, bringing kind of that, you know, that that real evil, that real antagonist to the film? Yeah, I dug it. I, I like the vibe that the two of them had, how they played off each other. Yeah. They had that kind of like quasi same-sex couple thing going mm-hmm. on, and you didn't know exactly what the full extent of the relationship was between the two, but he was very much um, committed to seeing... Um, Roman Sionis's desires see fruition regardless of what the request was, right? Like he was willing to chop up this little girl to get the diamond just because that's what the Roman wants, right? And he kind of thrived in that. So, yeah, I thought they did a great job. I thought Chris Messina was um, perfectly menacing throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie. And, yeah, there was a few times where you didn't know how far he'd go or what he was capable of. So, yeah, he was... Uh, very perfectly unsettling, I thought. Yeah, yeah, he he's the one that even the black mask. Like I kind of, I knew what McGregor was going for there, but Christmas Cena, he took it to another level for me. Like he, he that was the, the scary part. Like oh man, like the face peeler. This dude is nuts, and he's like, at one point he's, they got Harley Quinn tied up there, and he's got the knife up to her face, and he's almost like salivating at the idea that he gets to peel her face off. <laughs> like it's it's pretty disturbing stuff. And I guess that's where that some of that R rating allows for a little bit of that, that craziness. Yeah, you could imply a lot of that in the background. You could say, oh, he likes peeling faces and then, you know, pan away from it, blood splatter type thing. You can get away with that. But some of that, like when he carries the face at one point, it's like, holy moly, like that is, uh, you know, not for Tim. That is for sure. But Troy, man, how did you feel about Victor Zaz here, Chris Messina in this role and him working alongside of you McGregor's Black Mask? Yeah, again, another transformative role, man. I, I used to watch this guy in uh, in the Mindy Project. Yeah. And so 
when he turned up in this movie, I was like, whoa, wait, it's him? Like, that's him? Uh, so, job well done on his part. Um, I'm not super familiar with Zaz, but I remember the times I've have read a couple of his arcs in the in the books. I feel like they've been more of a standalone, more of like him not working for someone. So, it was interesting to see him under the wing of um, a Black Mask. Um, it was definitely a different dynamic towards what I'm used to. As dark and as crazy as he was here, I'm still more intimidated from the character in the comics. But it's two different mediums, so that's fine. All around, I really do like what this character did. And he didn't fall too much into the trope of just being, like, that stooge. Yeah. You know, he did walk a little bit more of a fine line. And, um, yeah, no, hats off to this guy. Again, just another transformative role for... Um, I, I forgot the actor's name, Christmas but from the Mindy now. Project. Yeah. Yes, good He's job great. on his part. I can't remember yeah. what, what yeah. I said, but I meant Mindy Project if I didn't say that. <laughs> I don't know what I said Names now. Girls? Uh, oh, New Art, yeah. I said uh, New Girl, maybe. Yeah, wrong show. Mindy Project is definitely what I know him from. <laughs> but Sanjay, man, Victor Zaz. Yeah, man, right there with you guys again. Um, to me, the stand-up for him, I really liked his early 90s attire. <laughs> yeah, you know, looks like what, he was shopping at uh, Simon's or something. He's a very trendy guy. Simon's. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he he becomes a, a bigger piece of the overall puzzle later on in the film. We find out that he is kind of one of the the henchmen that was doing the shooting that actually brings the huntress into this movie in a bigger way and kind of connects up those pieces. They don't show that. I noticed that when I went back and revisited a few of the scenes, they don't show his face in there until she's actually telling it from her perspective. And so I thought it was a cool tie because I find that the Huntress is the one that feels like she's a bit on the outside of the construction of the story. And Victor Zaz, him being so intertwined with the Black Mask, she makes her story feel a bit more, at least for me, a bit more relevant to the ensemble of the film and how all the stories are kind of interweaving with each other. And it really comes down to this this nightclub scene. This is something that we re- revisit multiple times in the film. We see, you know, Harley Quinn there. She's getting drunk. It's a lot of fun. Margot Robbie really goes off in this scene. And this is kind of like a catalyst point for everything. You see Roman Sionis in here, and this is what leads him eventually to the face-peeling scene. You see Black Canary in here singing, and it's actually Harley Quinn's actions in this that gets her intertwined in a much bigger way into the MacGuffin of the film becoming the driver. We see that Huntress is actually at the club at this point when they go back and explore her story. And then this factors in where Renee Montoya comes in and her having that connection to Raymond Sionis' driver. And so I found that this piece that we do revisit, it really gives a nice, you know, point in the film that everything leaps off of. And it's this reference point that I find myself really enjoying. And this goes back to the writing, really enjoying how they pulled all of this together and made all of these stories matter, even though some of them at times feel like they're very independent and off on their own. I found myself struggling at times with Renee Montoya's story because it felt adjacent to what was going on with Harley Quinn in that in the first part of the film. And the same thing with Huntress. But they do good work bringing everything back to connect up in some way that makes the film feel a lot more organic in construction. And it's not just we're bringing random pieces because we want to ensemble this, you know, villainess type of team that teams up and kicks some ass. So let's let's talk about some of our supporting cast. You know, we we get a lot of build throughout 
the film here. And if you guys want to comment on the nightclub and, and all that too, by all means. But let's talk about Black Canary when we're, we're at this point. You know, she to me is another favorite of mine in this film. I like what they did with this character. You know, they built her up. She had a connection herself to Cassandra Kane. She also was a badass when it came to the fight choreography, the fight scenes, her kind of rescuing Margot Robbie, even though it's Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn that got her into trouble and kind of down this path here. But Carlos, how'd you feel about Black Canary here and the actress that, sorry, her name escapes me, but her embodying this character in itself too? Yeah, you know, Journey Small Bell, she was a, a bit off-type off uh, casting. Uh, from what the traditional Black Canary um, has looked like in the comics, but I thought she was phenomenal. Yeah. I thought she brought a ferocity to the role, uh, beautiful singing voice. She looked great uh, in the part. She legitimately, in those fight scenes, looked like she could take care of herself and that she's somebody that you wouldn't want to cross kind of thing. And she brought a richness to the character where she had multiple layers to her where um, when she's in the nightclub and being manipulated by Simon as where she's a bit sympathetic and then she takes kind of her experiences and you see her as a bit of a mentor and somebody as a guardian angel for Cassandra Kane later on and yeah I thought Black Canary was phenomenal in this role and to build on your point like um, the nightclub was kind of like a nightclub in an actual city where it's a hub for all these people coming and interacting and sometimes good things happen at nightclubs and oftentimes bad things happen mm-hmm. in nightclubs so yeah it was a smart play to have everything spun out of that I, I dug it i think really well done and i agree with you man like i i really really love black canary now she does have a specific power set that's teased early on in this club scene and i know speaking to you offline troy that you you favored maybe her using that in a bit more because we do see her use it in a big way at the end of the film and it's really the only character that seemingly has these extraordinary powers that take her above and beyond kind of that, that normal, you know, everyday type of, of individual in the film. You don't see anyone, you know, for a comic book movie, you don't see a lot of superpowers in this. And as that's to be somewhat expected, I think. Now, Mm -hmm. how did you feel about black Canary and maybe some of the usage of her powers and how she's introduced into this film? Uh, Black Canary for me, so we basically went over uh, basically all the characters I jived with, I guess. So I guess from here on in, um, my review will probably go a little <laughs> south, unfortunately. So sorry to say, guys. But um, yeah, Black Canary for me was so forgettable. Um, I looked her up afterwards just to see, like, where have I seen this actress before? And it goes way back to, like, Full House, I think she used to, she used to what? star in. <laughs> Goes uh, goes to show. Goes to show. Um, I didn't care at all for her singing. I I love music a lot, and her singing voice for me was very forgettable. Um, her fight scene was cool that we mentioned before in the alley. Mm-hmm. I really dug that. The lack of her power set was kind of whack. I feel like if you're a black canary and you have a voice like that, that thing needs to bring down the house. That that should be like a a powerhouse, literally. When you when you hit the vocals, and for me, it was just very forgettable. Um. I, I mean, I, I, I like the diversity in casting. That's cool. Another thing I got to touch on is is the look for this film. Um, a lot of these characters they have in here, they all kind of have like this grunge. Yeah. Uh, Britney Spears, I'm a slave, Christina Aguilera look from the 2000s. And I'm like, it works for me when it comes to Harley Quinn because that's her look. I don't know why everybody else, especially the female characters, all have to look like that in this film. So that's another thing that kind of took it away from me. 
Um, maybe I'm a little spoiled from um, things like Black Canary being pretty cool in um, Injustice. And I like her in even the CW-verse. Not the Laurel Lance, but like the White Canary. I think she's fantastic in that show. So for me, this was a different take on Black Canary. And it's just one that didn't work for me. So it might have worked for a lot of other people, which is great. But for me, just off of like the comic books, the TV shows, the video games, this by far is the weakest um, version of the character I've ever seen. Yeah, it's interesting because yeah. I, I have literally no foundation for this character. I don't know her from right. the CW. I don't know her from the comic books. And I, I like the casting. I like the look. And I agree with you. Some of the times I'm just like, yeah, yeah, maybe the design of, of certain things didn't need to go to the extent that it did. But it is a character that I that I did find myself looking for on screen, especially when mm-hmm. we had the bigger ensemble pieces in that. Sonny, how do you feel about Black Canary here? You know, there's, there's a power set in there. She's the only one that really kind of you know, uses something to that extent. You know, you do have some fami- familiarity with the comic books and a bit onto the CW stuff. So how did you feel about Black Canary in Birds of Prey here? Yeah, I really liked her. Um, Would have liked to see more of her. Um, hopefully they keep her around. Um, you know, in the comics, she and Green Arrow are a couple. So I'd like to see that explored. Um, that would be great now that Arrow's done, if they want to bring him in and bring her back. And when you have Green Arrow film, you know, they be kind of co-leads, much like Ant-Man and the Wasp, be like Green Arrow and Black Canary. That would be cool. Um, Troy, I'm actually kind of with you on the look. Um, I can't really remember too much of her look until the very end, where they have like that one scene where the birds of prey are kicking ass, and she's in her new costume. I thought that was really cool, and I was like, why didn't we get that costume throughout the whole film? That would have been really cool. Um, the costume that she did have on, I can't even remember because it's been so long, but it didn't really like stick out to me especially compared to the harley quinn looks because she's like mm. so like colorful and on these like bright costumes and you you know i remember those costumes but i don't remember the black canary costume until the very end so um in terms of black canary you know i liked her um i did like the canary cry um it was kind of cool it very much reminded me of the x-men films when they have like the like sonic blast that shoot out yeah, um, as far as yeah, I, yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, as far as I know, though, like it's been a while since I've read a bunch of Green Arrow stuff, but she doesn't really like lose like consciousness by doing the Canary Cry. I think it's just like a one-off. So maybe it's just like she's not used to it, and she did it, and she kind of like lost her lost her powers or her will to stand. But uh, yeah, man, I thought she was good. But as I said, you know, I'd like to see more. Um, you know, when you go back and think about like all the scenes she's in. She's not in like a ton. She's in, and she's like kind of the main Birds of Prey character. So um, that just goes to show how little the other two are in. Yeah. <laughs> but from what I did see, I, I did like, um, but I would like to see more. Yeah, I agree with you. I like to see see more of this character. And uh, with regards to the Canary Cry for, for me, I kind of like, I, I thought I could have give or take it for me, but I like the consequences of it, you know, propelling Harley Quinn and that getting into that big chase scene. I thought that was pretty cool. You see her plugging her ears and just like firing off I thought that, that whole piece of it to me worked better than the guys flipping and flying and all that. But it's neither here nor there. It's a comic book movie guys. It's, it's going to be crazy at some point here, but yeah. uh, like it's actually the one little piece I'll add about the comics. I thought it was kind of cool that they gave the nod or the hint that her mom could have been the silver age uh, Diana Lance Black Canary that everybody kind of knows and um, yeah I thought it was kind of a neat little piece that they put in there that they didn't necessarily have to but um, that could tie it back to 
maybe that fishnet stocking black canary was her mom that they talk about being somebody that worked with the police in days cool. gone by. So yeah. Ah, nice Day nod two there. for Black Adam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now maybe. guys, we are in a comic book movie here and every comic book movie has the MacGuffin, something mm. that everyone is chasing. And this one is no different. It's a gem. <laughs> no, it's a diamond. It's not an infinity stone. It's it's something with an account number on it. Sure, whatever. We get some exposition there. And this is this is the thing that really brings the intersection, I'd say, more so of Harley Quinn's emancipation story and Renee Montoya, Birds of Prey, that bringing this whole thing together. I find that, like you said, Carlos, the hub is the nightclub, but the MacGuffin is really what makes all these stories connect at one point later on in the film. Now we've got this, this diamond that we're going to talk about Huntress here in a few minutes, but this is what really brings Cassandra Kane into the fold here and has her really interacting with Reina Montoya, eventually Harley Quinn. They have a nice little tandem piece later on that I really enjoyed, but it's, it's here, the pickpocket Cassandra Kane. Now this is a character that, even in our spoiler-free section there, we said, or you guys said, you elaborated a bit more on the idea that this isn't the Cassandra Kane that we're used to. This isn't the Cassandra Kane that maybe should have been in the film. But for me personally, someone that's coming at it from, you know, basically zero knowledge on the character, I like this character. Did it need to be someone significant? For me, give or take. I don't really need her to be Cassandra Kane from even what I know about the character. But I liked having a younger kid in here. I personally, and this may be the MCU and me talking, I would have liked her to have been a bit uh, quicker on the quips, a bit more um, maybe rough around the edges there. And I found that Margot Robbie, I, she has the tendency, with the exception of Hugh McGregor, to overpower the supporting cast. They have a harder time standing toe-to-toe with her. I found that Black Canary is a little better, but I find that Cassandra Kane. I think she suffers a little bit when she's spending time on screen with Harley Quinn because I don't know I don't know if it's the actress. The actress I think did a really good job, but Margot Robbie just commands so much that I found that their scenes maybe weren't as strong as they could have been. Carlos, how, like maybe elaborate a bit more on the Cassandra Kane piece that we talked about in the spoiler-free section and did you find that her as a character, you know, saving the idea that Maybe it doesn't have to be Cassandra Kane, but did that did that work for you? Someone that is basically ends up being the MacGuffin herself because she's swallowed the diamond and she has this connection to Black Canary. You know, Harley Quinn's now using her. Remain on Toya had her locked up, so she in itself becomes kind of a pseudo MacGuffin for all of this. So, what are your what are your thoughts on the character itself? Yeah, the whole Cassandra Kane bit notwithstanding, I, I thought the character and the conceit was was really well done. And I thought it was a smart play to have the kid as the MacGuffin because it gave a tangible emotional connection yes. to Harley Quinn as opposed to her trying to run around just protecting this diamond or the each of the birds of prey, keeping keep away with a physical object. There was... Uh, a character who is fallible, not always necessarily likable, but I thought um, uh, Ella J. Basco did a great job um, making herself endearing and she was vulnerable enough um, that you felt that she was in danger at all points in time, be it from Harley or Black Mask or uh, Zaz. Um, But at the same time, she was believable enough that when she's doing stuff like 
stealing grenades and ripping people off that uh, it came off as plausible. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked the character. I thought it was a smart play to mm-hmm. go with the kid. And I thought she she as well had that right balance between um, being kind of uh, cocky and street smart and also kind of vulnerable and endearing. I liked her. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't disagree. I feel that there are some issues with her holding screen time with Harley. But I do like your point about bringing in a kid that and making making the kids kind of the pseudo MacGuffin of the thing because it does level off Harley Quinn a little bit here and there's a really great scene with the two of them that I enjoyed when they're back at her house where you have it's it's a one point in the film where it takes a break for a few minutes and gives you a bit of exposition and allows you to grow with the character without kind of being bashed around by either the way that the story is constructed kind of zipping in time or because it's so action fast paced that you're not you don't have that break and it's nice sometimes in films when you get to spend a few minutes to digest what's going on and it's that scene with the two of them that allows you some time to say okay i understand this take a deep breath and then you get kind of hurled into the the back end of the movie troy man let's talk about cassandra kane here let's talk about the actress let's talk about the role in the film and and how it plays out towards the back end here and becoming the MacGuffin. And, you know, do you find the same endearing qualities of the character? Or are you kind of, you know, a little bit with with me on on the sense that I felt that there are parts of it that I would have liked just a bit more from the character? Oh, man. This... (laughs) Oh, I don't even know where to begin on this one. I'm sorry. The disrespect on this character. Listen, I'm not the biggest pre-New 52 Cassandra Kane, so if you want to talk... All the mythos about that character, I'm lost. I don't know a thing about her. But from Batman Eternal, when the character was in the New 52, when they brought... I think she's Orphan in the New 52. Am I right, guys? New yeah, I, I, know. I know. Yeah, okay. I, I think she's Orphan, right? Yeah. Okay, Okay. so the character of Cassandra Kane that I know, she's Orphan in the New 52 mythos. And going forward, and then Detective Comics, I think she's part of that team, too, in the, in the Detective Comics rebirth. And I believe she's a mute. She doesn't say much at all so again when i see a movie like this i see you call it the birds of prey and you want to throw in all these different characters but you don't really respect the source material and it's okay to take liberties every now and then but when you when you litter across every character in the movie then then you're just losing me here this character this child actor i don't want to get on a child actor too bad but we've had many child actors um off the top of my head even going back to um matthew vaughn's kick-ass uh hit girl she she was incredible. She was yeah. awesome. She 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 stood her ground with uh, Nicolas Cage and 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 Taylor. All these all these you know great actors. And then when I see this 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 actor this actress, I'm just like, who who gave the okay on this? Because <laughs> I, it just doesn't jive with me. I'm sorry. I know Margot Robbie is is phenomenal. So she's next level. I I, I totally get that. And it's hard to you know go toe to toe with a, a De Niro or you or McGregor or or Margot Robbie or what have you. But this this girl just didn't have it at all. I'm, I she felt really miscast. There wasn't one mo- moment I was cheering for her. Carlos, I completely agree with you. I do feel like there was a lot of scenes, though, where you did feel the danger. Like, I, I totally get that, 100%. But I don't know why this actress, this character, was Sandra Kane. It, 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 Cassandra Kane. It just blew my mind. She really took me out of this film. By far, by far, for me, the worst part of this movie was this this uh, this character, this gem. Um, like, if you want to call it a gem. Um 
the sorry tim what was the word you used before the um MacGuffin. MacGuffin. sorry the MacGuffin. yeah far from a gem far the from infinity a stone <laughs> the infinity stone yeah ah yeah so would she have sat better with you if she wasn't named cassandra kane like if they'd called her if she was like holly robinson um n- no because because the acting, oh. it, you, you could have had the kid, you could have done everything you wanted to, even if you want to get away from the source material, which is still bogus that they did that. The, the actor, yeah, though, this, this I, is cinema. We're watching a movie here. And when I'm watching a movie, when the acting's that bad, like it feels beyond CW, beyond anything I've seen. This felt like <laughs> a Hallmark commercial. I was just like, who's who, like, who hired this person? So I'm sorry. I, again, I don't want to get too much at a, at a child actor. And this could, for all I know, she could become something great in the long run. But as of right now, 2020, April 1st, um, <laughs> that performance was one of the worst performances I've seen in a long time. So, again, you can disrespect the source material all you want. I just feel like she could have, we could have had a better caliber of actress playing this character 100%. Yeah. yeah. Sonny, where do you sit on this one? Yeah, man. Like, for me, I thought she was good. I don't really know too much about Cassandra Kane. Like, you know, I've just been reading the main Batman stories, so she doesn't really pop up in there as far as I remember. Um, so for me, like, I don't really know the difference between Cassandra Kane and, you know, anyone else. So for me, I thought, you know, I thought she did a good job. I thought she was decent. Um, my question for you guys though, is do you believe the rumors about the diamond? Like, do you think that whole, uh, storyline about the diamond was true or do you think it was just made up? What do you mean? Like this is Margot Robbie's like head cannon going on again or? No, 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 no. So, so the rumor that was floating around online was that originally, the diamond didn't contain the the Huntress fortune, the Huntress's family fortune. The whole reason they were after the diamond was because it was uh, Roman Sionis. It was his dick pics. And that's why he wants to get it back. And then they like tested it, I guess. And then people were like, what? This is bunk. And it was supposed to be like an end credit like teaser. And so they changed it. Did, do, you, do you buy that? Or do you think that's just like internet nonsensory? It sounds because the thing is, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. It sounds a bit of BS because it's the thing that ties Huntress into this film. And I personally, I like I said before, I feel that she's off on an island for most of this film. But that is the kind of the main link into it for Huntress. So if it was his dick pics, it wouldn't make any sense for her to even be in the film at all. Like it, like you lose that Victor Zaz piece and that connection of that. You lose the Huntress piece. And to a degree, you even lose the Renee, the Renee Montoya drive and motivation because she's chasing this this thing through the whole film. So, that was, like to me, that's major rewrites in a film and reshoots if they're going to change the MacGuffin that much. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Like I just the way that the film and the the thing that I like about it, how it intersects a lot of stories, that is a hinge point for some of the characters it's more of the periphery characters but it's definitely a hinge point that if it's you know dps then i i don't know where you get a couple of the other characters from and how they even factor into this film but yeah and you know what like even if it is true like good on them for fixing it yeah and making <laughs> making the whole thing something that's digestible and that audiences obviously embrace right like i, I don't see that going over well with critics or audiences no based on scoring that we have now but yeah i i don't know about that like you said tim there's just too much of the story that hinges on it being um 
the account information yeah versus yeah what what deep dark hole were you down to find that (laughs) that no man that was like a mainstream rumor that was like all over crazy i never heard that once maybe it's just so much i was paying attention (laughs) but uh what are your what are your comments on cassandra kane albeit you know what story (laughs) is what yeah Yeah. man i you know i thought i thought she was good thought she was good thought she was um yeah man like um to me like she didn't take me out of the film like she did for troy but uh she didn't steal the movie for me either i thought she served her purpose and uh i thought she was solid right on yeah man just because the fact that as well like as i said i don't know too much about cassandra kane so yeah for me um she could have been called Missandra Maine and would have made, you know, maybe just much different. So, well, there it is. <laughs> Sunny State. <laughs> now, before we jump into the two other characters, two of the supporting casts that we get here, and kind of as we're barreling towards the end of the film here, I want to take a break and talk about some of the action set pieces we have here. We've touched on them briefly, but I want to get into a bit more detail. Specifically, you know, we have the chase scene at the start, and we're not going to go into too much depth here, you know. It's Harley Quinn, and that is the Guy Ritchie stuff, you know, where they're stopping, they're drawing faces on these guys. It's, you know, characters from her past. This is, again, about her emancipation, her break from Joker, and now all of a sudden she's got a big X on her back because she's not under the protection of the Joker. But that that's a lot of fun, those scenes. But let's let's talk about and let's focus in on here kind of this, this mid-movie fight scene. This is my favorite action set piece in the film it's when she shows up at the cop shop she's got that beanbag launcher the colors the camera the cinematography here the just how it's all weaved in and then you get the jailhouse fight where she's got cassandra kane now got the sprinklers going it's hard hitting and it wasn't one of those choreographed scenes that I noticed Troy maybe maybe you did I didn't notice them ever hesitating like every swing that that Margot Robbie makes as Harley Quinn feels impactful and it feels timed well it I was just like give me more of this I love the beanbag stuff I love just her commentary as it went to like this is a a hard-hitting action scene but it's also a ton of fun to be a part of. And she's using different stuff. The cocaine at one point is pretty wild. She's got she picks up a bat at one point, which is a great knot. Like there's a there's a lot to these action set pieces. And at times it feels like, yeah, this is almost continuous camera work. It's not, but it feels like that. It feels very real. Sunjay man, were were you into this this action set piece here? This this oh, you know, yeah. in the cop shop in the jailhouse? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Much like you guys, this was my favorite. Well, actually, second favorite action scene. Like, I really dug the scene. Um, man, as you said, you got the colors, you got the beanbags, the bursts of glitter, and then the music as well. I thought, I thought this scene was fantastic. And then the sprinkler goes off, and it just made it so epic. I thought this. I was like, man, this is like top tier, next level fight scene in a comic book movie. I thought this was amazing. And Harley Quinn, you know, Troy said, why did she keep the phone? Because it looks cool, man. Like, I don't know. Why did she do it? Is it, is it you know, is it uh, useful? Probably not. Probably not. But it's Harley Quinn, man. She just looks cool. And she showed off that she could do it. I mean, shit, man. If I threw a phone at you, you'd be like, ow, that hurt. But if I threw a phone up and I kicked it in your face, you'd be like, damn, that guy's crazy. Like, I don't want to mess with that guy. 
I'd probably laugh either way, but I got you, man. I got you. I know Troy, <laughs> save the the cell phone throwing. Were you were yeah. you were you enjoying the the action piece we got here? A hundred percent, man. This is probably the highlight of the film for me. This was this was awesome. Um, I could definitely tell, obviously, the departure or or the different um, I don't know second string directors they had to to, to shoot this kind of scene but the action piece was fantastic i'm with you the colors was awesome the idea of the beanbags exploding i thought that was so cool and something i would have never expected to see in any kind of comic book or action piece ever so i thought um the use of that was was great this to me is really when harley quinn uh shines and i really get like that whole comic book aspect of like this cool splash page of her just going off in the in the um in the, the police uh, shop there. So, uh, no, I, I dug it a lot, man. This was this was great stuff all around here. This probably was, like, can we all agree this was John Wick's director that did this part? Like, do we know that? Or did he do this stuff later on? Or I am I would say this I, this or the probably, chase scene at the start. Right. Like, the chase right. scene at the start also felt different. Like, it almost felt like three different people directing the end piece, the this mm. one, and the start one. The start one, like, I think, Carlos, you nailed it when you said it. It's like, I don't know if it's in the DM or on here. It's like Guy Ritchie directed that piece. This one in the here, this felt very dynamic to me. Like this felt like John Wick. This felt like action, action, proper. Well, even action. like the Kill Bill, you know, volume yeah. one, volume two kind of stuff going on. That Quentin Tarantino stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I thought this was just really cool. I'd love to see more of this going forward um, in the in the DC universe yeah. for sure. Well, and I like you know. to your point about the beanbags. It it mm-hmm. makes it so consumable i would think right if she goes in there with a shotgun or a gun and is like pegging guys in the head that's one thing yeah. but like taking a beanbag in the face at point blank like that could probably kill you or do some serious damage but it doesn't come off that way it comes off like you're getting punched in the face as opposed yeah. to if she's in there you know shooting police officers in the head and you're seeing their mm. you know brain splatter all over the place like, you, like no one wants to see that and I think this is a, is a nice in between where you can have her her shooting people, but it's not gratuitous kills. It's not, you know. And then you pop the color, and it becomes you know a fun cinematic moment, as opposed to you know if you really look at this, if she's in there with a, a shotgun, that this becomes a pretty dreadful, like almost like Todd Phillips Joker type of thing, um, as mm-hmm. opposed to, to Harley Quinn. You know, Carlos, like how how you feeling about this scene? Oh, yeah. You guys have said it all. Like, for me as well, it's by far my favorite part of the movie. Um, just just how comic booky and how huge everything felt. Um, and you hit the nail on the head, Tim. She goes in there with a shotgun or a machine gun and starts mowing down cops. You've got 1984 Terminator all over again. And you're viewing Harley Quinn through a completely different lens that she went in there. And it was so fun and so playful. Um, even just the voice work that she did, like her, her line readings were awesome and how she changes her enunciations all over the place for effect. Um, a few of the, after like the grenades themselves or the beanbag rounds, the things that they did, like the one is the glitter and that has a certain effect. And then she shoots the two with the smoke in them and it has the color palette from suicide squad. So the blue and the pink Mm -hmm. smoke and she pops through that and, yeah, it was cool. Like everything looked awesome. And then when they give her the bat and it's a callback to her looking suicide squad and you see her go to town with the bat and you're like, oh, OK, that's why she carried that thing around for the entire first movie because <laughs> she's a badass with it. So, yeah, I, I love that. And the the cocaine piece was pretty inspired how it totally amped her up. Yeah, and, it's like powered um, up on a video game. 
<laughs> yeah. No, and I, I, I thought they did a good job of legitimately showcasing Harley Quinn as a badass, yeah. both like armed and um, just hand-to-hand combat as well. So, yeah, no, like you guys said, by far the best scene in the movie. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, yeah, much to your point, to echo some of those words, the showcasing of her as a complete, like, this is when it becomes very, very believable that, you know, she could handle herself for sure. You know, we get instances of that in Suicide Squad, but if you're taking this as a standalone film, this is the point where you're like, whoa, yeah, that is Harley Quinn. Like, she can handle herself, and you don't even blink the next time she's in a fight. You're like, yeah, bring it on. Um, I, I love this. I agree with you guys. This is my favorite piece of the film. Um, it's fun. It's in a, like you said, Carlos. It's it's got that her quipping in the background and the, the commentary and the the exposition that she brings to it all. Absolutely fantastic. And as we're kind of getting towards the end of the film here, we got two more supporting cast members to to talk about. And Renee Montoya becomes a bigger and bigger piece, especially as we get to the end of this scene here where she becomes the defiant cop. She's been chased. She's been kind of basically run out of her line of work and she moves to more of the vigilante style thing. And we get some interaction earlier on in the film with her and Harley Quinn and she becomes another piece, another casualty of everything that's going on in and around this diamond. This character, though, though, I'm not super familiar with Renee Montoya, as I'm not familiar with really any of these characters, um, if you've been listening to this at all. But, I, again, this is another character that I could kind of give or take. She felt the most out of place amongst the birds of prey at the end. I would say that her story feels better integrated than the Huntresses for me, but the character herself kind of stood out a little bit as they almost rushed her to a point where she could be a vigilante enough that she could stand toe-to-toe with Harley Quinn and company and then eventually evolve into this vigilante-style team. You know, Sonny, did, did she stick out to you a little bit? Did you buy into the character of her name, Montoya, and kind of where she ends up at the end of the film? Oh, yeah. Like, this is a character that was in Batman, the animated series. And I believe she was in the Nolan films a little bit, where there's a character that was kind of based on her, the one that, like, in Dark Knight with her mom, like, she yeah. kind of changes sides. Ramirez. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my bad, my bad. But uh, I thought she was underrated and how funny she was. Like, she comes in with that t shirt, like, did I shave my balls for this? I laughed really hard at that. I don't know. It was just kind of dumb, but I laughed really hard. Or when she wears like the the traditional Harley Quinn corset and then like ends up saving her. I thought she was like one of the funniest characters in the movie. That was a nice piece there. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was pretty funny. <laughs> I, I totally dug her. Yeah. Carlos, man, what are, you, what are you thinking about Renee Montoya here and her addition to kind of this growing ensemble within the film? Uh, you know what? I thought she was the good um a good choice in uh going with rosie perez having a bit of an older actress in there it added a different flavor to the group mm-hmm. um she had a pretty interesting arc to her in that um gcpd detective but people were taking credit for her wins and that she had the relationship with the district attorney that she took advantage of because she wanted to go after Sionis so bad um yeah i I thought she was a good link to kind of ground the movie a bit mm-hmm. because if this movie went off and uh, you were wondering where the cops were through the whole thing, um, that would probably drag it down a bit. Or if you just had the side story with the cops chasing um, 
Harley Quinn and Sionis, that would also be a drag on the movie. So um, I think it's a piece that you needed, and I thought that she acquitted herself well in the role. So Yeah, I, I liked her. She added a different flavor that we don't normally see in comic book movies. So Yeah, she definitely brings a, a piece of diversity to it. Maybe, and like you said, maybe that I'm thinking back on it and listening to your comments, a much-needed piece. That, that I like the idea that you pointed out there about, you know, if you're to bring a, a secondary element where the cops are also chasing this in, you're bringing in kind of a third party that are intersecting these people, but not in any sort of depth or detail. Yeah, it would probably drag on the film a bit. So good point. Good point. Troy, man. Renee Matoya. Yeah, yeah, much like Carlos, I pretty much agree with all those sentiments. Um, her story, I guess, was needed to tie everything together there. Um, I guess the only question problem i have is just the uh the fight choreography with that actress she just couldn't quite pull it off it was a little is a little irishman of uh you know when we see de niro <laughs> fighting when he's meant to be younger but you could totally tell it's an older person fighting as a young guy <laughs> same much with her i just felt like uh, the choreography again was was weak on her part and especially for someone being in the force and a detective um she should be able to handle her own and she should be pulling those punches a little bit better and it, it just it wasn't tight for me it was is a little messy and it wasn't quite believable especially towards the end when i'm seeing her fight with all of these other characters, um, that was pretty weak. But that's all I really have to say about that one, um, for the most part. Yeah. yeah, she's okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm kind of right there yeah. with you on that one. And let's yeah. let's let's kind of cap this off. Let's let's take an end to to the Birds of Prey here in the supporting cast, and let's let's talk about Huntress. Now, this is a character that really makes her presence felt towards the back half of the film. And like I said earlier, she comes a bit more of an important piece. And her story becomes a bit more apparent as the film develops and you start to understand that she is actually a surviving member of this family and she's come back as the crossbow killer, not so much the hunters. I like that little bit in there. That was quite funny. It, it dragged a little bit. But for me, this character, I'm not sure if it was the casting. You know, She had some kind of inspired moments when it comes to the action, but she felt a bit out on an island for me. You know, am, am I... No, Sanjay, do you feel this way too? Like, am I the only one that feels like the Huntress, her story almost felt latched on to the side of this to add a, another member to give kind of the rounded out birds of prey? Uh, I don't know. I actually, to me, it, it kind of worked. I don't know. I'm just big fan of uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and uh, uh, the actress herself. I thought she did a terrific job. And uh, the story, you know, again, it's a character that I don't know much about. Like, you know, I read a ton of DC comics, but these characters aren't ones that, you know, you kind of know a lot about unless you really seek them out. And uh, in that regard, you know, I'm really glad that they chose these characters. Um, and in terms of Huntress, again, I know next to nothing about her. And I've been reading DC comics for almost 10 years now. Oh, and <laughs> sorry, I just banged my knee on the table. And uh and uh yeah you know i really dug her like i thought she was funny how she was kind of like socially inept and she kept trying to like practice her like batman voice in front of the mirror i thought that was good and uh <laughs> so i i thought it worked the story itself yeah kind of like tied everything together i didn't i didn't feel like it was latched on at all it was kind of quick like they could have spent more time with her growing up and uh you know, learning how to shoot and, um, you know, those other people that were kind of helping her out. Yeah, they could have spent more time with her. Sure. Um, it would have made the movie a little bit better, but it didn't take away from the movie, in my opinion, uh, that we didn't. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I see, I see some of your points there. And I just feel like it, 
the the reveal was just it fell flat for me. Like I don't know if they just didn't tease it enough or if the character had made more appearances earlier on the film and you were wondering about this character for the entire film and then you finally get that connection. It just felt like we got the crossbow stuff and it was more the crossbow killer thing tease and then she was kind of dropped in. Like Troy did did you feel that as well that you know maybe that that her reveal that she was the girl that it all kind of fell flat and they just kind of said, Oh yeah, that we took her, the henchman took her. And then we kind of rushed through this training, not even a training montage. I know you love training montages and this wasn't even, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this was kind of like, this is how we got her to this point. She's a badass. Yeah. Mm. We recognize that, but yeah. it just, it, that's the piece that stuck out to me the most. Did you feel the same mm. way? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit there. Um, yeah. Huntress. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more again, familiar with her new 52, like, um, Agent 37, she crosses paths with uh, Dick Grayson in that run. So she is quite different. But I think this was kind of closer to like the pre-New 52 Huntress. And um, yeah, I mean, again, she was okay. I, I, I agree more with you, Tim, here on this one. Um, I kind of wish the character they built her up to be, like the more serious, like Batman-esque kind of character. I wish they actually just stuck with that instead of throwing in that little kind of comedic stuff like um I, I i did get a chuckle when she kind of dropped the huntress line how she's been practicing that line yeah i thought that was kind of funny but I, I guess at the end of the day i wish she was the one that had some clear-cut idea of how to handle the situation and be that one kind of vigilant uh character basically through and through um again kind of miscast i don't I know agree. much about this actress's background yeah but she was kind of a little all over the place like i didn't know if she was trying to be like serious or if she was trying to be a little goofy or she's she kind of like that keanu reeves kind of vibe at some points going on and nothing worked for me when she tried doing any of those kind of portrayals so yeah another weak link for me here yeah she fell on a weird line that i'd never and i agree with you i didn't know which way she was meant to go like was she supposed mm-hmm. to be a bit because you have a lot of comedic takes in here and some of it's darker comedy with harley quinn in that mm-hmm. but this one i was mm-hmm. kind of i never and her her reactions in that just never did it for me i just i don't know where i'm supposed to be or what i'm supposed to be feeling at this point in the film am yeah. i supposed to be scared of you intimidated by you or am i supposed to be right. laughing with you or laughing. at you i'm not sure yeah. where i'm supposed to be here carlos man finish out this discussion of Huntress you know this is a character that I think at least from our discussion here is probably has a bit more contention behind her do you do you kind of align with that or are you seeing something different uh yeah I I do align with your thought that she's kind of she comes in and she's just such a force that it's a bit it's a bit jarring when she's introduced into the movie in a prominent way um, and, and I can kind of see where Troy's coming from in that they um, didn't know if they wanted to make her a comedic character or have her as the one earnest character um, to kind of ground the rest of the birds of prey. I, I will say that her origin was spot on to the the comic book okay. um, uh, genesis of it, like outside of the tie to Zaz and stuff like that, like she is part of a mob family and is the victim of a hit that eradicates everybody except her type of thing. So um, that was spot on. I, I think it was one of those where they got it in in their head that her name was a bit over the top and they decided to run this gag with her being um, this hard-edged, overly self-serious type character and maybe it got away from them a bit. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I dig Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I don't know if it was a package deal with her and Ian McGregor, but um, yeah, it, it was okay. She didn't make the movie for me, and she didn't break it for yeah. me either. 
Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like it didn't it didn't kill the movie in any sense for me, but I felt that most of the cast was was pretty strong. And yeah, like I said, she's well, I won't dwell on it anymore, but she kind of stuck out out to me here. So, guys, we've got the Birds of Prey in in essence, and Harley Quinn. I'll say we've got them assembled at this point. I'm gonna use that word. I'm gonna use that MCU word, guys. Assembled here, and we're kind of <laughs> driving towards you know the resolution of the MacGuffin. We've got <laughs> Harley Quinn at some point decides that she's gonna make this about her. She's going to give the kid up. And then you've got this nice intersection of all the stories here. The ones chasing the MacGuffin for X, Y, and Z reasons. You've got Victor Zaz showing up here, which then brings Huntress into the fold. And then you've got the fully masked black mask at this point. And this is where Ewan McGregor loses me a little bit. I found his performance was spot on, solid, standout. I don't know what it was. And maybe it's my one in single viewing. But when he puts that mask on, I just don't get the character as much. And I get that it comes off later on, but he just becomes kind of the the freak of the week, the the leader of the bad guys, and he's standing in the car and he sends this, you know, group of cannon fodder at the Birds of Prey. Now, the fight scene, I will agree with you, Troy. It's definitely not the standout. You definitely can see that it's directed potentially by someone else. It's a bit more happenstance. You've got a lot more weapons and all this, you know, showcasing of, of the different talents and all that in this. So it's definitely not my favorite fight scene. Uh, but all in all, I think it, it kind of brings everything together and it kind of leads us into the last, you know, chase sequence with Harley Quinn on the rollerblades, which to me is another standout set piece with regards to how they constructed all that, how innovative they were with the rollerblades and doing something different in the car and all that. But that's a lot. That's a lot to digest there. But I'm gonna throw it over to you, Troy. How'd you feel about Black Mask here at the end? This final fight sequence and kind of leading us into where Harley Quinn kind of gets her due and, and kind of caps this movie off. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's unfortunate because obviously Black Mask here. The, the, the key thing with him, I mean, even the name itself, it's it's the Black Mask, and I've always known the character of wearing the mask. Um, this is actually the first time watching this movie that he's actually not worn the mask up until this final point. So, unfortunately, when he does don that mask, you lose all the emotion that Hugh McGregor portrays throughout the whole film, which is just it's so fantastic. But you got to kind of pay homage to the, the comic book mm, character, sure. so you got to throw that mask on, right? Um, then once we get to this fight scene, I, I did something I never, ever do in theaters. And I, I'm the kind of person that hates on these people. But I had to pull up my phone. I had to see <laughs> how much time was left because I really, really wanted to leave the theater at this point. So I, I was pretty much checked out. The fight scene to me was just – I already talked about it. I don't want to bang it over the head any more than what I already have. But um, – yeah, man, uh, the, the biggest kicker from this whole thing is they, they killed him off. They killed off Black Mask. And uh, like Sonny said, I want to see this guy interact more with other villains down the road. Hopefully that theory that you got out there going on that this is all in Harley's head. I hope that's true because I'd love to see his character return. But uh, overall, it, it was it was that third act that just went down downhill for me. And I just I just couldn't couldn't hope more for this film to end any faster. So I can I can honestly say that I I was not there. I was not nearly that far gone. Like I I still having fun up until this point. And I Mm -hmm. agree with you, this isn't the best fight scene. And Mm -hmm. Ewan McGregor falls a bit flatter for me here. But leading into Mm -hmm. kind of the Harley Quinn thing, which we'll get into here in a few minutes, I felt Mm -hmm. that yeah, this was a necessary part of the film. And I did like the dialogue and the interaction we got 
pre the big fight scene where they're all kind of standing in the room and Harley Quinn, when she's kind of injected and she's kind of being dopey and she's stabbing Victor Zaz. And I, I liked all of that. And you've got the, the girl tied to the toilet and everyone talking about her. <laughs> you know, I felt that that whole interaction, once you brought all the characters together, I felt that was really well done. The action piece, yeah, it, it, it's not nearly as good as what we saw before. But uh, mm-hmm. Sanjay, man, how how you feeling about how this movie kind of crescendos here with this final act and kind of getting in towards really the formation of the Birds of Prey in its in its truest sense? Yeah, man, like I'm kind of the opposite of you, Troy, in this in the sense like the the police uh, the police uh, scene that was really cool. Uh, the fight was really cool. But to me, like the setup in this was so cool and just seeing them come together. And then, I don't know, I'm a sucker for amusement parks and especially abandoned amusement yeah. parks. I thought that was a really cool setting. Um, and I thought the fighting, it kind of worked for me. Like it was a little bit different, a little bit goofy um, where she pulls the hand back and it slaps the guy. It was it was definitely more slapstick for sure. But it just kind of worked just with the setting and everything. And you're right when Harley Quinn's kind of drugged up and she's trying to stab the guy. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. That was probably like the funniest part of the whole movie. Um, so yeah, to me, like this whole part, it worked. Uh, this was my favorite part of the whole movie. And I was, you know, up until this point, I did like the movie. Some, you know, some of the jokes didn't land for me, but a lot of them did. But then when this thing hit, I was just like in hook, line and sinker. Like this is kind of what like solidified the movie for me was the ending. Right on, right on, man. I'm going to now, Carlos, I'm going to ask you here. I'm going to ask you to, to split the tie here. We've got Troy, my dude here on this side, looking at his phone, wanting to leave the theater, and Sanjay saying it's his favorite part of the film. Where do you land on all this? Uh, you know what? I I enjoyed it. Like I thought it was cool that they used actual um, Gotham City locations, so they had Amusement Mile on screen. The whole thing ends at the Founders Pier. Like Throw on your Arkham City disc, and you'll be able to find those locations kind of thing. Um yeah, it it uh, it worked for me. I can see where Troy's coming from with the fight choreography being a, a bit off or just the way some mm-hmm. of those shots were composed. But there were so many great moments in there uh, that I could forgive them, right? Like uh, you guys hit on that whole scene where they're having the standoff between each other and they're filling in the gaps and coming together to fight off the threat as a team. You have Hardy doing the little side there that i thought were pretty funny and then just having it in amusement mile like you'll you've never seen a fight like that and you never will with all these over-the-top acrobatics and using um all the funhouse things to dispatch the enemies like yeah was it a little contrived and a and a bit too telegraphed for sure but at the same time like my man you got power rangers figures behind you like (laughs) you gotta forget some of these things sometimes (laughs) for the spectacle yeah that's nostalgia though that's (laughs) No, fair enough. Fair enough. That's hilarious. I, I, I hear what I hear what you guys are saying about uh, Ewan and the black mask. Like um, to go down the rumor train again. Like there is rumors that he never had the black mask. That it was just the club was the yeah. stand-in for for that, and that in the club was just the mask on the wall. But there was kind of the outcry by those people, armchair quarterbacking or armchair directing the film, that he had to be in the mask. So. There's a bit of rumblings that the mask being put on was a reshoot um, type of thing. So maybe that's where it, why there's the dichotomy between you in, in the mask and out of the mask. But uh, yeah, it, it was 
that whole bit was okay. Um, I, I thought the climax um, and Black Mass being killed off. To be honest, like, are, are we going to get Ian McGregor back for a sequel? Like, I, I don't think so. So why not go out with a bang? Literally. Yeah, so. literally. And that was another graphic part of it. It was just like, poof, whole body goes. <laughs> and yeah, I agree. You know, to end the character like that, yeah, like, it, it works for me. I think it all in all, it's, you know, I'm, I'm an MCU guy for sure. I've seen most of the villains killed off in the last 10 minutes of the film. And so it doesn't overly surprise me when I see something like that. And maybe this character was at the end of his ropes. You know, did he have much more to give to the DC Extended Universe? We're never going to know. But at this point, I find it's a fitting end for the film. It, it gets us there. It gets us to a, a place where we have that true emancipation of Harley Quinn taking on Cassandra Kane as her apprentice. And we've got the Birds of Prey formation here. We've got Huntress, Black Canary, and Renee Montoya kicking ass here. And this is, to me, where I finally got what the title of the film was. It's two different films. It's the Emancipation of Harley Quinn, and it's Birds of Prey formation. Because Harley Quinn isn't a bird of prey, I don't think. That's my interpretation of it. She's something different. And the whole film, it was two films that intersected with a MacGuffin, and that's why the title the way it is. I don't think the title, and I made fun of it when they first announced it, that it made no sense, and it was too long, and it wasn't descriptive enough. But now I get, like, if, if they're talking about, and we mentioned this, and you hit on this too, Carlos, about... It seems that some of this stuff maybe was a bit more inside of the creative force behind this film. And that title is one of them. But I get where they're coming from, at least, because of how this film ends. I thought, when I saw this, I thought this was going to be Harley Quinn now teaming up with all these people. And you have like this group that includes Harley Quinn. And it's not that. And that's kind of why the, the title itself... I'm okay with Harley Quinn colon birds of prey makes even less sense than the original title. When you have the context of the film, at least in my opinion here. So all in all guys, you know, let's, let's give our final thoughts here. You can throw in kind of how the film ends, what you felt about this as a holistic, you know, from start, middle, end them coming together as the birds of prey, anything to do with the title. I'm going to throw it to you first, Troy, man, let's wrap this one up. How did you feel overall? about birds of prey uh yeah again a uh, pretty let down um missed opportunity on this film we could have done so much more with um the, the characters that uh they decide to feature in this film uh we did explore a little bit of them which was which was fair enough uh the action was was awesome for the beginning of the film i i really dug the color scheme was great uh the score for me was pretty forgettable um standouts to me hands down easily was margot robbie's harley quinn and obviously you mcgregor's uh, black mask those two were awesome uh didn't leave me craving anything more um you know when you go back to what year was it 2000 what year was guardians of the galaxy 14 2014 i didn't know a thing about those characters and after seeing that film boom i wanted more of those characters um I mentioned it before, and I do like this movie more than Suicide Squad, but even Suicide Squad, some of that ensemble piece worked better with me. I felt more care, uh, care, chemistry between all those characters more so than I did with these three or four uh, members of this crew. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, if I got it, I don't know if we're doing a ranking at all. I don't know. But this one sits pretty low 
pretty close to the bottom for me when it comes to the DC extended universe uh, films. So can't really recommend this one. Not okay. from this guy. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go around the horn here to Sanjay, man. The final thoughts yeah. on Birds of Prey. And again, feel free to, to lop in anything you want uh, that we haven't discussed, haven't touched on, or even towards the end of the film here. Any final thoughts? Yeah, man. Um, for me, the way the film ended, I thought it was great. You got to see Harley Quinn kind of go on her way. I had to see the birds of prey form and you know in a different universe this film makes 200 million dollars and we're getting a birds of prey spinoff but unfortunately i think you know unless something happens this might be the last we see of the birds of prey unless they go like a streaming hbo max tv show or something um but i really dug them and i'd like to see more um and I'd really like to see more of Harley Quinn. And thankfully I can in Suicide Squad. So hopefully that film is much more received at the box office. Um, it will be. With the director from Guardians, uh, Mr. James Gunn. Uh, for me, I man, I really dug this film. I can't wait to see, um, as I said, Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad. If we're doing a ranking, this one, unfortunately, it does fall a little bit lower in the DC Extended Universe. Not because it's a bad film. But just because I enjoy like the other ones more, um, you know, some some of those are like my favorite films in comic book movie history. So this one is a little bit lower, but not because it's a bad film by any means. It is a great film. It's uh, super enjoyable. I love the colors, the music, the music in this, you know, the score wasn't that great, but I did love the like pop songs spliced in here. Um, I thought that was cool. And I was like, after I was like listening to them, um, you know, YouTubing them and whatnot. So I thought that was underrated. And uh, yeah, overall, I definitely recommend this one. Okay, there we go. Carlos, goddamn Batman. Final thoughts on Yeah, Birds of you Prey. know what? I, uh, I, I have, I'm kind of of two minds about it. Like, I, I do think that they were their own worst enemies as far as some of the marketing stuff goes and uh, the rating stuff, as far as having that financial success to really bolster your brand. Uh, and quite frankly, like, I'm a big proponent of having things that are accessible to rear your next generation of fans on. Um, it doesn't apply for my kids because they're old enough to take in this movie, but for little girls like your guys' little girls, like I, I think it's a shame that they can't experience this movie for a few years. Um, that fault. said... Yeah, no, she... My, my yeah, four-year-old yeah. went to this. Yeah, yeah, she no, she had nightmares for a week, but she had a good time. <laughs> I'm just <kidding. laughs> I was like, "What? You took her?" <laughs> like, oh, let me call Child and Family Services. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, uh, and but as far as the movie goes, I thought it was a really solid entry. Like, they made something totally unique in the genre. Um, these girls had a real strong vision and idea for what they wanted to do and they went for it and um they made their girl gang movie they made a movie in which harley quinn's and um i i thought it really worked uh i thought the cinematography for the most part point i thought the fight choreography was pretty good i thought they did some original things um they had some neat tropes that will um really lent to this film being enduring and having a bit of um, a cult following. Can't tell you guys how many egg sandwiches I've made since this movie was released in theaters. Um, yeah, I give it a I give it a pretty high recommend. Like I, I love stuff by Guy Ritchie and Quentin Tarantino, and this certainly is like 
the DC Comics version of that type of movie. Um, and honestly, it, it kind of sits in that top half of my DCEU rankings. It Like Wonder Woman and Man of Steel are tops, and this one kind of sits um, just in that middle section there with something like Aquaman, uh, probably a little bit ahead of it. So I, I really dug it. I, I think it's worth the watch for sure. Yeah. You know what, Carlos, man, I, my recommendation would probably fall pretty close to yours. I, I really enjoyed this film. I, I found it was, it was fun. It was engaging the standout characters of, of Harley Quinn and Black Mask for me, or I should say Roman Sionis are, are just something that they just chew up the screen, man. They just enjoy being there. And I loved, especially, you know, the behind the scenes did this for me too, but the creatives behind this, I felt that they, they put their, they're all into this, right? They put, made what to screen what they wanted to. And I can appreciate that. And all in all, I, I had a time watching this film. I really enjoyed it. And it's a recommend for me as well. And this sits up there for me in the DC extended universe. You know, I, I've had my issues with it in the past, but I have to agree with you, Carlos. This sits above Aquaman for me, for sure. This is something that I would definitely sit down and watch again and something that i would recommend you guys get out there get that digital download get that and enjoy it. just consume it in in what it is and i it's way better than suicide squad in my opinion and <laughs> i enjoyed harley quinn way more and i'm looking forward to the suicide squad now coming off the back end of this so yeah big recommend from me on this one and there it is guys that is birds of prey we did it we got through it you guys thought it was never coming but here it is you just listened to the review for Birds of Prey. Guys, that was a ton of fun breaking this film down. I'll always, always enjoy our film reviews. Uh, sometimes we can talk, you know, ad nauseum about things for hours, but I think films like this, breaking them down in this detail, it brings a new appreciation for me. So I appreciate it, guys. appreciate you taking the time every single week coming here, man. Just, it, just consuming nerd with me with us here and to you the listeners you know thank you very much for coming back every single week we hope you're all staying safe and if you have any comments on birds of prey or want to be a bigger part of this show you can always email us at the nerd room at gmail.com you can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net you can find us on twitter all four of us like we said we want to talk more birds of prey we're going to be there willing to listen willing to respond and you can find us on instagram too we've been a little bit slow on that one you know the hunt's been a bit uh bit dry, bit stale because we've been stuck at home. But needless to say, maybe we'll get something up there this week. We've got some, I got the nerd room I'm going to show off here, hopefully in a video. Troy actually did post over on Twitter, a good friend, Dave Franz, big shout out to him. Asked Troy to see his Luke Skywalker collection and Troy put a little video up there on Twitter. So you can see all his customs there too. So just go find Troy. And uh, yeah, guys, we got lots to talk about in the coming weeks, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we thought, hey, we're not going to have a lot to talk about. There's a ton of stuff. We got some figs to talk about, some releases from Hasbro. There's a lot of stuff, you know, on the internet there with regards to Nerd. And we're going to dig a deep dive into that next week. And we guys, you know, we heard your feedback on the toy episode. Everyone seemed to really enjoy that. So we're going to be looking at taking a deeper dive into, into some more toys and that, some more nostalgia, retro toys, and uh, just sharing our love for everything that is toys, collecting, Nerd, whatever. We're going to be here next week, guys. And every Thursday. And with all that being said, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Batman. And I'm Sanjay. He sure is. It gets better every single week. All right, guys. We'll <laughs> talk to you next week. Remember, stay home, stay safe, stay nerd. See ya next week.
This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and The Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.